Okay, so welcome to another All Out Football podcast episodes. We're back after a break. We've had a little bit of a break for about two weeks or so, but we're back with a special episode to talk about a club which is in real difficulty at the moment in the Championship, and that's Derby County. And I'm delighted to be joined or rejoined by Scott Gretton, who was with me on the first ever podcast we did, which is to preview the new season in the EFL. I'm also joined by a fellow Derby fan in Ryan Matheson. I think that's how you say your second name, Ryan, Ryan Matheson. Yeah, nailed it, mate. Nailed it. Thanks for being with me, chaps. Um, I'm going to start off with the club itself, Derby County. Scott, what does Derby County mean to you? Well, Derby County means everything to me, like it does with a lot of the fans. Um, when the news broke of administration for Friday night and then right before the big game with Stoke City, which, you know, the time was abysmal yet again from Mel Morris or the club, um, you know, fans were in tears. I mean, I was in shell shock Friday night, you know. Um, I've been a season ticket holder for 17 years. My dad was a Derby fan. My granddad was a Derby fan. And, um, yeah, I mean, we just hope we don't turn into another Berry or even, a, you know, a Bolton or... But, uh, yeah, it means everything. And I think that's what showed the crowd against Stoke City on Saturday was absolutely immense, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, it would be it's just such a shame because the team's actually doing well this season, but getting let down by the off, off-fielder shenanigans yet again. And let's not uh, forget the history of Derby County Football Club, one of the 12 founding members of the Football League. We go back to the 70s in the First Division, reaching European Cup semi-finals, the first team after the Second World War to win the FA Cup in 1946. Ryan Clough, Terry Wesley kept the club, or kept Derby in the Championship, I should say, in 2006. So the history is, is really historic, because that's what you can say, Ryan, but nine managers in five and a half years, between 2015 and 2021 now, Three unsuccessful playoff finishes, narrowly avoided relegation last season. What does Derby County mean to you, Ryan? Well, I mean, like, first of all, you know, Derby County is, is my it's my escape from, you know, the wife and the child every Saturday. You know, long, hard week, you know, long, hard week of work gets a Saturday. I don't want to stay here. I want to go out. And it's my perfect, it's, it's, it's where I like to go. And obviously, you know, it's, it's not going very well you know we say like you know we just about scraped survival last year if we hadn't and we're in this situation now it'd be a hell of a lot worse we'd be staring down the barrel of league two which still isn't even out of the reach of possibility at the moment so i mean at the end of the day as long as we still have a derby county to go to that that right now is is the main aim as long as we have still have somewhere to go then I'll be happy. But it's 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 disgusting, like what's happening with us at the moment. Like I can't you can't put it into words, can you? Like it, it came out what Friday night. There was that that tweet was going around. That bloke was um I'd put the was saying that he'd seen the um the notice for filing for administration. No one believed it at first, and then everyone starts piling on. And then it comes out, and then you start worrying, and then the EFL come out 
and it just goes downhill. And then you start worrying about the game on Saturday, going, oh, what's it going to be like? And you get there, and it was probably one of the best atmospheres we've had all season. Probably it tops anything we had last year. And we were we weren't we weren't actually that bad last year, atmosphere wise. Let's put some flesh on the bones, a bit of context. So Mel Morris became the owner, the chairman in 2014-15. Like I said, nine managers in five and a half years. I did lots of research on this today because I need to get need to know what uh, what now needs to be spoken and talking about. And I said, Scott, three unsuccessful playoff finishes. I said to you in the in the first episodes, the situation Derby. WN, you knew something was going to were bad was going to happen. I think every Derby fan knew something was coming down the road. And I said to you, what if, what if Derby were promoted to the Premier League in 2013-14 under Steve McLaren? What if Frank Lampard had led the club to the Premier League? But I think we also have to add context to Eric Alonso's funding. It was found out that something not quite right, and that's that, that has to be spoken about. But for you, Scott, the management of the club must be something which really annoys lots of Derby fans. And I think about Philip Koku as well, the, the manager that was brought in. I mean, what was that all about? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, if you go back to the recent history before Mel Morris's tenure, I mean, he's been involved with the club a while. And before he took sole ownership of the club, before, you know, he, he presided over this roller coaster. You know, I think the damage was done between pretty much 2014 to 2019, where he's, he's took this humongous gamble to get to the, the Premier League. And he he, he he had an interview on Radio Derby the, uh, the, the, the other night, basically saying that he almost did it, which, yeah, he almost did it, but almost is nothing in football, is it? And um, I think with Mel... If you go back to before his tenure, and we had uh, GSC, and um, the club was really well run. Um, Nigel Clough was the manager during that time, and we didn't pull up any trees, but we just incrementally improved every season. He, he bought players from the lower league, um, and some great signings. You know, you Craig Bryson, and oh, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd kill for players like that now. Signed for basically nothing, and they were great servants for the club. And although some fans weren't happy with that because they were getting a little bit impatient because Nigel Clough could be a bit cautious and the board at the time was seen to be a bit, not negative, but not very ambitious. But they were going, you know, they, they, uh, they avoided relegation and then, and then they got into kind of the realms of mid-table, pushed on to your top 10. And you thought, yeah, let, let's build on that. And then... Mel come in and kind of ripped all that um, up and, and undid a lot of good, honest, hard work, really. And rather than incremental improvement, we saw plans being ripped up and, and reborn, you know. Um, and like, like we said before, um, I think when we talked about Derby, no consistent philosophy, you know. He, he's had a Nigel Pearson to a Philip Cocku you know, two opposite managers. I mean, where's where, where's the consistency of philosophy there? Um, you look back at all the clubs that have been promoted, I think they've all followed a consistent philosophy, which is kind of incrementally approved every season and finally get promotion. Um, but with Derby, it's just been ripping it up, scrapping it, going to the complete polar opposite type of football and starting again. 
and, and Koku got caught up in that. Um, you know, Nigel Pearson come, came and went. And now um, we're on Wayne Rooney, which is another Hollywood signing. But to be fair to him, he's doing well. He's probably the heartbeat and, and the best part of the club at the moment, along with the fans. Uh, but being let down by, well, just mismanagement, really. Is there a part of you, Scott, which feels that Mel Morris, as a local man from Little Over near, near Derby, is there a part of you which thinks that this is a guy who came into by the, by the club trying to do his best, but it's all just fallen apart? Is there any, any part of you which has a little bit of sympathy? I'm, I'm just asking it just as a, as a terms of point of view, as a question. It was hard to feel sympathy when, um, you know, you've got Radio Derby, you've got the Telegraph, you've got the fans groups, desperate for information. And firstly, I think Stephen Pearce and Mel Morris were, were fobbing everybody off. Um, then the communication went dead and we heard absolutely nothing. So it was very difficult to feel sympathy for the man. But when you think about, when you take a step back and take the emotion out, I think you can feel a little bit of sympathy because... It's not like he's come in as a ruthless businessman, not caring about the club and kind of doing the club over in a way. In his own way, he's a Derby fan and he's had the club, club at heart. But were his decisions made with his heart rather than his head? You know, I think the big thing at Derby is we don't have a board. The board consists of Mel Morris, Stephen Pearce, the chief executive, and Roy McFarlane, the next player. And I think the big fear is, is, is they're probably seem to be just just yes men to mel and i think you know if you look in the premier league how their governance is set up and their boards i think you need to challenge authority it's dangerous to have one person in charge of the purse strings i think you have to have a proper board um maybe some fans say on there and i think mel has just basically been in, in complete control nobody stood up to him and said no and we've 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 just wasted a lot of money on players that weren't good enough that somebody should have said, hang on a minute, stop wasting this money. And, and nobody stood up to him. Um, so I do feel a bit of sympathy for him, but I think he's, he's got a stubborn streak. Um, he's got a ruthless streak. And by his own admission, his tenure at Derby has failed. Any sympathy, Ryan? None. None whatsoever. Uh, you know, we go back to actually the, the, the mismanagement of managers. You know, like Philip Cocky was brought in to work the shoestring budget because of the overspending in previous years. But then he still went out and brought Christian Bielik for about what eight to ten million overall split up across different payments that we've then missed payments of. And then Philip Cocky, in my eyes, was he was the right manager, just at the wrong time. Like the what the if it weren't for Cocky, like we wouldn't have. Christian Bielik helping, like doing the work that he does. We wouldn't have the youngsters playing as well as they were because they, they were the lads that Cocky brought through. You know, Frank Lampard brought Jaden Bogle through and then he went. But these lads have, I mean, obviously no one's come in for him, but they've, they've stuck it out. You know, they've, they've gone from young players to men this year. I mean, Max Baird, I mean, most people on Twitter will probably know that I am Max Baird's biggest critic. Like, like last year, just sideways passing, backwards passing. But this year, unreal. And there'll be people that watch this and see me say that, and they'll come back for me after that. But that's fine. But going back to Mel, like, there's nothing I feel sorry for him for. Like, yes, we almost made it twice. We got to play a final twice. 
you know, let down by a bit of dodgy defending at one end and a manager deciding not to play a striker. You know, it's 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 a one-off game. You play a striker. You know, you bring a striker on after 80 minutes and he scores after two. Like, what are you playing at? But then there's nothing that I feel sorry for. Like, yes, he, he may have, you know, thrown millions in, but it's got us nowhere and it's just got us into trouble. I, I actually was thinking um, just earlier, like, you think of Frank Lampard, uh, his management at the club. And I, I do I, I do penny a thought for what Mason Mount thinks of all this. I, I do think that. I think that one of your clubs that has, that has given you a chance, Frank Lampard gave him a chance at Derby and think, I don't I don't like seeing this to a club that's given me a chance. So I, I did actually think about Mason Mount. What, what would he think about all this? Um in terms of in terms of the situation at the moment, Ryan, you've seen Mel Morris's apology. You've obviously read it. I think we've all read it. I've read it definitely. I, I read um, and listened to back to what he said on BBC Radio Derby this morning, as we record this on Monday the twentieth of September. Um, but the club is now in administration. There will be points deductions, and there could be further points deductions. But I've got to ask you an important question. Mel Morris has said, has mentioned COVID. How much can COVID be blamed for this? Because I think no, because if you think about the overspending of players, the mismanagement before COVID. So I can, I can see, I can see the eye, like the premise behind blaming it. Obviously, he, he did say that it took what, 20 million out of the revenue that we had. That's fair enough, right? You can happily say that. He's, he's saying that's why we've not paid creditors and stuff. Fair enough. But to constantly blame it, like we were we were financially in trouble years before. Like this, it's you can't blame it all on that. Yes, you can blame the loss of you know gate receipts. You can blame the lack of you know a preseason. Actually, that's not even it's not even financialized. It's just it's, I I just wouldn't even. I wouldn't blame COVID at all. Like, how many other sides have we seen just deal with it? You know, you've seen like, the likes of Barnsley. Like, Barnsley aren't a massive powerhouse. Yes, their owners are quite rich, but they're not, they're not flaunting their money everywhere. They appointed a manager with a style. Who, the manager got them to play that style, and they did really well. You don't need, you know, you don't need five to ten million pound players in the championship. You need, you just need a team. And like, just, I don't, I'm, I'm not buying his apology. Like, I wouldn't even call it an apology. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the words "I'm sorry" didn't actually come out of his mouth. Like, it's, it's it's not washing with me. No, I'm I'm sooner. I'm happy that he's gone. And if going into admin and taking a points deduction and a massive hit is what it takes to get him gone, because he clearly couldn't sell the club unless it was someone who had you know a TikTok video of someone else's house. And of course. Well, he said Mel Morris putting so much money into the club. Of course, the the Devento Holdings uh, trying to take over the club that failed, and there was also the the alternative fixture list, wasn't there? Because last season with Derby and Wickham for that last relegation spot, Wickham were given a fixture list if they stayed in the Championship. I just quickly on that, Scott, just just be quick in your response because we've got lots to get through. How much sympathy do you feel for Wickham and all this? Interesting question. Not much, to be honest. 
I thought they were clutching at straws, really, because I think they were rock bottom all, all through the season. And then they had a bit of a run and got up to, up to third bottom. And then obviously, because it broke about Derby, obviously we stayed up. It wasn't actually to do with us, really. I mean, if the other goal hadn't gone in the other game, we would have gone down. Um, so we didn't even keep ourselves up, really. Um, but then I think they were clutching at straws, straws a little bit. I mean, I, I don't think it was ever on that point, seduction to be implemented that season with what the legal battle's going on. So I, I think we've just got to get on with it, really, uh, as of Derby. So if, on, on the topic of Wickham, though, like they claim that we should have, they, they should have stayed up. Like one, one, you didn't get enough points to stay up. Like we had one win in seven games or one point in seven games. Like we could not have handed it easier to you to overtake us, and you didn't. And then also, you know, they had the controversial, was it points per game for promotion out of League One? You know, so there was teams in League One who would claim that they deserve to be up more. Yeah, it's, it's, if I was to pick out the relegated teams who I'd felt sorry for, it would have been, I would have felt more for the Sheffield Wednesday fans. Because they, you know, so they started on minus six and it came down to what a point in the end that they missed out on one or two points. Like the, the charges that were against us was from seasons where they weren't even even, even in the league. Well, Wickham in League One this season will certainly be playing with fire in their belly to get back into the championship, which again is it's, it's a, it's a topic for another podcast. But um, EFL sanctions, transfer embargo, we're just getting this some context to all this. There was a squad of just nine contracted players at the start of the season. That's, that's a, a crucial point to make. And to be fair to the EFL, they did relax the embargo, but a strict wage limit. And of course, this season, Scott, uh, Colin Kazim Richards suffered an injury. And again, to be fair to the EFL, they allowed Derby to bring players in. Jagielka is an example. Sam Baldock's another example. I've I got to ask this question because there's a lot of resentment against the EFL because of, of Berry and Wigan and Bolton, but... Not much blame can be put on the EFL. Is that a fair point? Well, Mel Morris has certainly got a right to be in his bonnet with the EFL. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of it too much. I think the EFL, I think everybody, all the clubs and all the fans will be fine as long as we know it's a, le- a level field, a level playing field, and the EFL look like they know what they're doing. But do they? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I read when going back now, but when we had the first legal battle, we had the great Mar- Mar- uh, DiMarco chap uh, fighting Derby's corner and the EFL in, in, in the hearing were absolutely ripped to shreds and they didn't have a leg to stand on. They were talking utter rubbish, it seemed, uh, in, in legal speak. And the, the independent panel sided with Derby County and Mel Morris was making the point that at the first hearing there was an actual professional um, objective accountant on that panel that um, didn't place any blame on Derby with the amortisation that we only know what even means this season of course uh, was okay Um, and then it was the second hearing and the after the EFL um, went for the second one that went against Derby, and there wasn't actually an accountant on the panel. So just like Mel was saying, how is that fair? You know, when you've got an accountant on the panel that finds Derby innocent of any wrongdoing, 
but then they appeal, go to a second panel, don't ask that accountant back again, and then kind of think, oh, hang on a minute, we, we'll, we'll scrap that. Derby are now guilty. I mean, I'm, I'm not defending Mel or Derby. I mean, we've been in decline for years. We should have just used a straight line amortisation policy. You know, why do anything different? But at the same time, I, I, don't, I don't think the EFL have covered themselves with, with glory. And I, I do think it's got a bit personal. I, I think some of the communication coming from EFL was quite bitter and it lacked professionalism at times. Um, so I think the EFL do need to look at themselves a little bit as well. Um, and a lot of fans think that they seem to be making these sanctions up as they, as they go along and like plucking uh, points, deductions and figures out, out of the air. So I, I do think they need to kind of look at themselves as well, maybe. Always well, we said administration, the news broke uh, on, on Friday, just gone. Um, deducted 12 points looks like that's going to be the, the fine there probably will be more deductions i think i, I read some something up to about 21 points i think something even said up to 24 points which is a huge amount of points for for the club um but quickly ryan i just want to touch on the efl in terms of regulation of football because we've seen this with wigan very very as they as they were a dead they're now a phoenix club I, I listened to what Gary Neville said on on on, uh, on his on his podcast, and, and listened. Uh, he, he speaks quite well on things like this. You have to say, but the time now is for regulation and better regulation of football clubs to stop this happening to other clubs. I mean, <laughs> I, I say this I say this tongue in cheek, but you'd never wish it on any other football club, and you wouldn't even wish it on Derby's uh, rivals, Nottingham Forest. You wouldn't wish it on any football club at all. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish it on Nottingham Forest. I wouldn't like fair enough. Like, I've seen lots of, um, you know, we've had lots of tweets from Forest fans, from Leeds fans who are still bitter, like laughing at the whole situation. Like, fair enough, laugh at the, the whole point of deductions and breaching, uh, you know, FFP and, you know, losing games. That's fine. Like, I, I would laugh. I'd laugh at Forest and I'd laugh at Leeds and I'd laugh at Middlesbrough if they were, you know, breaching financial fair play and they were deducted 12 points, 10 points, whatever. But I wouldn't laugh at the fact that their club is in massive risk of just not being there anymore. Especially Forest. Like, I mean, if, if they were to go bust and we haven't beat them in like nine games, I'd be fuming. Like, the whole point of football is it's for everyone. And if you suddenly lose one of the founding teams, like, it's... Just taking joy in the fact, and that, like they also they're not taking into account like the people that are going to lose their jobs, you know, staff are going to you know, miss their payments and stuff. Like it's it's not fair on those people. Like people need to think a little bit more. Like it's all very well going, ha, look, that, look at Derby, look, they're, they're proper struggling. But yes, yeah, the team is struggling. You know, the board is struggling. But then think about the innocent people that are also behind all of that that you don't see and you don't think of. Like those people need to be thought of a lot more, you know, because so many people are going to be out of a job and it's just not, it's, it's all down to one man. Well, the Football Supporters Association tweeted today and they, they keep on tweeting it saying that this is another example to show that we need stronger independent financial regulation in football. And of course, a fans-led review, which has been led by uh, the MP, Tracy Crouch. She's a former uh, digital culture, media and sport minister. And of course, we have a new DCMS uh, secretary in Nadine Dorries now. So, uh, Scott, I, 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 I think I mentioned this in, in the first episode of the pod that we did when you, was, when you were a guest, is that 
Derby is an example of a football club that has tried desperately to get back into the Premier League and they're facing the consequences. And I, I, I go back to Gary Neville, what he said the other night, is that, that football is about the joy of promotion, whether you get to the Premier League, but also the despair of relegation. But, it's, but it shouldn't be at the expense of clubs going bust. No, I think something definitely needs to be done. I think the championship is, is the biggest risk factor because you're up against the relegated Premier League teams with their massive, massive parachute, parachute payments. And then the other end of the scale, you've got the smaller clubs who have smaller expectations. They may have got promoted from League One or they may just be surviving each year in the championship. But they've got lower, they've got lower expectations, lower budgets. So if COVID hits or anything hits, then their losses are smaller. Um, it's the ones in the middle. It's, it's the big clubs. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday are one. Derby are one. A big club who have the expectation, the fan base that crave that expectation, an owner with money, like Mel Morris, and rather than kind of tempering that expectation, putting together a five-year plan and incrementally investing and incrementally um, improving the team each year, he's thrown money. He's thrown money at it that wasn't there. You know, it's, it's the equivalent of one of us going on a, you know, a credit card and you know going on a shopping spree. Um, it's that gamble. It's that them chips on the roulette table where. Yes, we got to the final twice. If Richard Keogh hadn't have sliced his clearance against QPR, if we'd have played the right team or Roos hadn't mispunched that, uh, that punch in the, the final against Villa, um, it could have been different. If, if some buts, we reached the semi-final a couple of times. And I think I use Villa, Villa um, as an example. Obviously, Villa were in... Not, not, not as bad financial trouble as Derby because we're a slightly bigger club and they had assets. They had a Jack Grealish that they could just sell for 100 million, which Derby haven't got. But they were in financial trouble. Um, and if they, entered, if they hadn't have gone up that day and Derby had have been, Derby would have been reasonably financially secure with a base to build on. And then Villa would have been struggling. They may have had to have sold Grealish when they were in the championship. Um, and then they might have struggled to get back. So I think something has to be done because it, it, it's a gamble. I mean, I think if you're in the Premier League, you're fine. If you're in League One and League Two, you're relatively fine, unless, obviously, we have seen like your berries and your teams that are struggling for income. But those smaller clubs in the Championship are, are living the dream in a way because they're in a league, which is probably the maximum they're going to get. But their outgoings are low as well. Their expectations are low. And the worst that could happen is they'll probably bob back into League One and have a good shot at getting back up again. But it's them teams who are constantly throwing money at promotion and not doing it. And you're constantly recessing and getting more and more financial trouble. I think it's those central clubs that something has to be done. And do you agree with the, the Football Sports, Sports Association? I think this, this strengthens the argument, doesn't it, of an of a independent financial regulation in football? Yeah, I don't know how that would work because obviously, for example, if you take Mel Morris, um, who who would have stopped him taking over the club? We're all right with hindsight now. He's been a bit, he's been very reckless. But at the time, he was a Derby County fan, owner of Candy Crush, successful businessman. He's put two hundred million into Derby and lost it, and he's still got hundreds of millions spare. Who would have stopped him 
taken over that club, nobody would have done. I think the only thing you would you could have done is kind of rather than just focusing on punishing clubs who who break FFP, maybe work together with them and manage with them. Maybe have kind of independent financial advisors who can go in and say put the brakes on before it gets to that you know that that level of loss basically maybe i suppose ryan um one point to make is that i, I asked you i asked you both at the start what does derby county mean to you and a football club means everything to everybody it meant so much to the people of berry it means so much to the people of wigan and bolton every single football club means so much to people it's about community about fans and what what they're going to football the buzz of football every weekend but just quickly ryan what, what's your thoughts on a, a stronger regulation of football clubs is that something you, you would welcome not just at Derby but across the board it's, it's a relevant question I think yeah no it's true I mean I, I, I would I would I would be in favour of stronger regulations obviously that like we touched on parachute payments like like all it takes is like one club to go up and come straight back down and I think they were financially sound for about three years like the money that they get also like you see like Norwich going up, you know, they got blooming Emmy Buendia who was doing bits for him in the Premier League, came down with them to the championship. Like he's a Premier League standard player. Like he's, he's playing in the championship. It's like when Wolves brought half of Portugal with him. Like you've got all those quality players in this league. And fair enough, it's great to see these players in this league. But if they're coming in on massive wages down from the from the Premier League, then the parachute payment should be used for for them. Like, if you can't sell the player, then here is your parachute money to make sure that you can still fund this player. Because, you know, you're not going to get the massive TV rights money. You know, your income's going to be a little bit lower. So here is this just to help clear, you know, keep these players, you know, fully paid unless you can sell them. You know, like, you know, like with Villa, you know, Villa went up. Now they're financially sound. Now they sold one player and they're set for life by the looks of it. it. It does, it does need regulating, like regulating or just smart people to run a football club. Like, you know, we've got Stephen Pierce who's like he's got a fantastic CV on paper. Like, how is he how has he himself let this get into this situation? It's it's not it does need it needs regulating. Okay, let's move on and talk about the club now because that's the most important thing and how the season starts as well because it's fair to say the season has started off okay hasn't been perfect hasn't been but it hasn't been bad it's been quite a positive start i mean the, the recent 2-1 win over stoke was a was a big win against a, a club which in stoke at the moment have started quite well you would fancy them to be in and around the playoff mix under michael o'neill so the start, Scott, is something to be hopeful of and something to be positive about. But as, the, the, the conversation now is it's not about Mel Morris. It's not about the, the, the people behind the scenes. But as Ryan said, people are going to lose their jobs, which is important to stress, important, important to mention. But the players and the manager. I mean, I'm not a Derby fan, but I have so much sympathy for the players and so much sympathy for Wayne Rooney. Um, but for you, what, what's the atmosphere like at Pride Park at the moment? I would have thought beating Stoke was a really good atmosphere. It, it was brilliant. It was really quite emotional. I mean, there was tears before the game because of administration. And 
the atmosphere at Stoke was absolutely brilliant. I mean, all season, the capacity has been a little bit down, um, but we, we broke the 20,000 barrier against Stoke. It was a phenomenal atmosphere. And the, I think the player, it was just, I mean, we always talk about players kind of galvanising against adversity, which I think they are doing at the moment. But I think it happened in the stands as well. You know, there was no negativity. There was, I don't think there was a single chant against Mal Morris or the EFL. It was all positivity getting behind the team. And you talk about the emotions behind that. Um, it's a weird one because that is the beaming ray of hope and light. But at the same time, it's frustration because we were all expecting a relegation battle, um, you know, if you take out the, the points deductions. But it's looking like that we would we would have survived. We're looking like a mid-table team. Um, 1 to 11 on paper now, you know, with the signings of, yeah, they're a little bit on the old side, but you've got your solid base of Phil Jagielka and all the experience he brings, Curtis Davis. The signing of Ravel Morrison was a bit of a risk, many said, but he's he's come in and added that creativity and control to the midfield. As Ryan said, Max Bird is playing out of his skin. We've got Christian Bielik to come in for the second half of the season, who, you know, he's, he's going to be a Premier League player very soon. And there's lots of hope there. And you really want to get excited. You really want to get your ticket to the away games and really cheer them on. But I think there's this, that, 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 that will last for, it might last for the whole season, or it might start to temper away when people start to realise it may all be in vain. Whereas, you know, if we do get hit with a 12-point deduction, I actually think the, the team, as we're playing, could actually still avoid relegation. But if it gets to the minus 21 or the minus 24, you, you, you're down. So while it's, never meant, while it's never in vain because, you know, the, the fans are passionately supporting their club and you're, and you're winning games, it, it would just kill you off at the end of the season when you get relegated because of the points deduction. And the realisation hits you that if the points deduction wasn't there, against all the adversity, no money, free transfers, old players being signed, and they've actually done well and would have possibly finished mid-table. And that's the key point, Ryan, is it? Apart from the last-minute defeat against Peterborough and the defeat against Birmingham, results at West Brom, beating Stoke, uh, beating Hull, another team which you'd expect to be down the bottom end of the table. I don't know, what, what does it feel like for you? Does it feel like it is, it must feel like it is in vain that you could go to Sheffield United this Saturday and go and win 3-0, that knowing that the monster in the cupboard is 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 relegation and a points deduction because as scott said if it's minus 24 points then you're effectively down yeah no yeah you're right like if it is minus 21 minus 24 then this is effectively what a 46 game pre-season tour like it's it is pretty pointless but the, the, I, I i genuinely believe that the atmosphere will stay the same for the entire season like these fans, like you know, against Stoke after administration was announced, the loudest that they've been, it's only going to get louder. Like every time Stoke fans tried to to banter us, it just it just got louder. Like it's like the players are showing absolute fight for the team. Like I don't know what like Wayne said to them for the Stoke game, but it was unreal. Like we, that first half was cracking. Like. Calarus has come on leaps and bounds. Like, I've done nothing but slate that poor guy for three years. 
and he's proper making me eat my words. Like, fair, like, you know, like I think Wembley, Wembley proper ruined him for that year and the year after. People won't let him forget that, but he's soon making them forget it now. Like he could, he could have left. I mean, no one's come in for him, but you know, he he doesn't have to stay with all this stuff going on. He could have quite easily handed in, you know, a transfer request to leave, saying I don't want to be here. But he's staying. He's fighting for the shit. Like Max Bird fighting for the shit. Curtis Davis is what pushing forty. And Jack Yelke, like a combined age of like 75, 80. And they're still battling with that shit. Like, you know, Phil Jagielka took a massive elbow to the face against Middlesbrough, got patched up, was straight back on. Like, I've never seen a team fight as hard as they have so far. Like, we talk about the defeat to Peterborough, but we outplayed them. We just gave them two goals. We switched off for two moments and they scored. Now, Birmingham, Birmingham are always a hard team to play against. Like they're, they're just so physical up top. And, you know, like the first goal maybe could have been avoided. Like, you know, really bad back pass. And then the second goal, we left their man wide open. But, it, but it's the big teams. Like Derby have historically always done bad against the teams we should be beating. But it's the teams where we are written off that we, out, we we do so well. Like you look at the West Brom game, like you look at the stats, like that should have been 7-8-0. But it weren't, because every man did their job to a tee and they defended as a unit. Like the Stoke game, like we just went at them in the first. It could have been 4-0 by half-time. You know, they get that second goal and there is that five-minute five minute spell where your nerves go, oh, God, it's all going to come up now. We're going to lose this game and everything's going to go to part. But no, the team defended as as a unit, and they they they've got that win. There was a video that was uh, uploaded by Derby today of of Keller Roos celebrating at the final whistle, and he went running to the fans. Uh, these lads are here, and they're going to fight for this shit, and the fans will fight it with them. It doesn't matter what's happening off the pitch. Like uh, if we go down, and the, and the only reason we've gone down is because of that points deduction, then that team's done us proud. Well, I've watched, I've watched as much championship football on Sky as I possibly can. I've watched both uh, Birmingham and Derby, and I watched the, the 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 Forest game. I watched the game through its entirety, and I, I'll say to you, Ryan, is that I think I mentioned this with Scott on the first episode, but Tom Lawrence as captain was raised a few eyebrows, but the emotion scoring that opening goal. Uh, yes, it, you didn't win three points. Forest did go on and equalise. You think again, you didn't quite see the game out, but the emotion of scoring that goal and the, 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 just talk me through that, that, that atmosphere, just, just briefly, if you, if you can. I, I, yeah, it's fine. Like, Sophie, the, the first off, the, the, the ball from Craig Forsyth was wait, It was an incredible throw ball to him over the top and around the defence. That my first reaction was I turned to look at the linesman because I couldn't, there's no way he was onside from that perfect ball. But, you know, he takes it and he puts it in. I, I don't think I've celebrated a goal like that in a while. Like it was, it was unreal. And obviously, like, you know, their goal again was another lapse at defence. Like, it's not like we're being, we're not being beaten by these teams. We seem to be just handing them the game. If we cut that out. I think, you know, like I said, we talk about minus twelve. If we cut that out, and we only get minus twelve, we stay up. Scott, I'll come back to you on, on Wayne Rooney himself because this is this is. This is the, the thing which 
will really, really stick in the throat, isn't it? Is that he was only he only found out on TV. I mean, that just that just proves how much of a shambles it is behind the scenes. But you can attach no blame to Wayne Rooney at all. I mean, just talk me through it, Scott. This is a this is a manager who is giving his all, and you have to have so much admiration for that. He could he could just walk away. He could just walk away if he wanted to and just say, no, I can't do this. But he's staying with the club and he's giving everything. That is something to be... Uh, I think any football fan would take, take, take their hat off. Yeah, Rooney's been a revelation. And I think even, you know, if, if, if when he leaves, he leaves Derby in the future, I think this period in his very early career will be the making of him as a manager. You know, I mean, you could even say, look, look at Sir Alex Ferguson. He was... Uh, one match from the sack from Manchester United when he can take heart from that in a way because with Rooney had a lot of people against him because he first come over on uh, as a player on a very strange deal and everybody thought, mm, is he coming to be the manager? Is he undermining Koku? Um, and then it come out um, through uh, Tom Huddleston, I think, who actually come out on an interview and said that the reason he didn't get a contract at Derby is because Koku had to play Rooney. It was in his contract that Rooney had to play. Um, but since he's been, I think Derby become a better team without Rooney in it because um, he slowed the play down a lot. And then when he became a manager, he initially struggled. I mean, there was this, you know, they, they, they thought it'd be a good idea, which was never going to work when there was going to be the four of them. Um, Justin Walker from the academy, Shea Given, Rosinha and Rooney. But then very quickly, kind of Rooney stepped out from the shadows and, and become the figurehead of that. And then Rosinha's assistant manager. I think he's, he's, he's going to learn a hell of a lot from, from this. And I think the heart he can take from it is if he does keep um, the team up or if the team go down, like Ryan says, just because of the deduction, he may stay, who knows. But if he does go, he'll know that when he gets another job it's going to be a hell of a lot easier than what it was at Derby so I think he's cut his teeth really in the, probably the best possible way it's it's the best apprenticeship possibly that he could have ever dreamt of Ryan if Wayne Rooney were to walk tomorrow not that he is going to so there's no signs of him walking tomorrow but if he were to walk and leave or if you were sacked heaven forbid what would your reaction be um I don't know it would probably have to depend on the scenario well, I, I can't see him being sacked, but obviously with administration, you know, there is the talk that Wayne is one of the highest owners of the club. It's no doubt he's one of the highest owners at the club. So he may be for the chart based on that alone. But that also depends if he's given the option, take a pay cut and you can stay. But I imagine he would. I mean, you know, it's already come out on Twitter in the past few days that he's been paying for the away travel and he paid for... Uh, that the new analysis set up at the training ground, like he's willing to put his own money in to, to help himself and to help the club. So, I, I would be I would be shocked if if he was to go. But in, you know what happens in admin? There, everyone's everyone's on the table to be to be thrown out. It's just a case of will they will they or will they not? I, I think it's I think it's stupid if they get rid of him because of everything that he's done. I don't think the fans would react well to that. And let's just deal with the substance at the moment. So 12 points deducted. Obviously, we know it could be more. 
but how confident are you if it's just 12 points deducted and that's it? Of course, we don't know yet. But if it is just that, how confident are you that the club can stay up? I mean, we, we carry on playing like we are. I'd put money on it. And of course, like we said, if it isn't 12 points, if it's more than that, then like, like you said, Scott, it does feel like it's it, it's down. It's down as League One. But let's look ahead to the future. This is the last point of the evening for this for this episode. Um, and of course, like we said, thank you to those who listened to this episode, uh, to this podcast. Um, the future, guys. Let, let's talk about it. Of course, it's all lifts and buts, but if the club are relegated at the end of the season, I presume you will not stop supporting Derby County through thick and thin. Scott, in League One, you might play my club, Cheltenham, in League One, if Cheltenham stay in League One. But through thick and thin, Scott, you will still support Derby, I guess. 100%. I mean, I'd be really, really upset about getting relegated because... I think Derby are one of them clubs that if we do get relegated to League One, we're not going to be a team that bounces straight back. <laughs> we just won't. It, it'll be, we'll be in, we'll be probably be in the league for at least three, four seasons. I mean, look how Sunderland are struggling to get out. I can't really see us. We, we just don't do it. We just don't do it the easy way. I'll be there. I mean, looking at a positive, um, I'm trying to bump up my away grounds. So um, I'd, I'd go to grounds that I wouldn't normally go to. Um, I sometimes get a bit bored standing in a soulless bowl of a stadium. I do like the old-fashioned grounds and the atmosphere that that brings, going through somebody's back garden to get into a turnstile. I mean, you know, great stuff. And you, you would like to think that we would be near the top of the league, but who knows, it may not be. But I think we could have some really cracking days um, in the lower leagues. And it's, it's, not, it's something that I've heard from back in the 80s when Darby were... Uh, last back in, in the third tier. And um, I've heard it's some of the best away games that, that, that people have been to. So whilst I'd be concerned and worried that we might even go all the way through into League Two, depending on how we get stripped off the back of admin, um, yeah, you've got to take the positives out of it. And I would, um, like you say, as long as there's a club there, I mean, look at the Berry fans. They would have taken anything. Um, they would have supported that club in any league um just for there to be a club there at the end of it and i think that's how we've got to think of it i think if, if we get relegated to league one you'd look to stabilize and then push on again and then hopefully it would be this famous reset that people have been saying that was kind of happening before mel morris and he's set us back you know a good probably decade now but it may be that that reset reset that we do need wouldn't have chosen for this to happen, but you, you've got to look at the positives, I think. Well, you look at examples, you, uh, Ryan, you look at you look at some examples of football clubs who've come from, who've gone from Championship, League One, even League Two. Plymouth's one example, Portsmouth's one example. Um, but in terms of the future, I, I, I'm not going to ask you the same question because I'm sure you'll still be there if, if Derby do find themselves in League One or even worse. But... I, I suppose the, the question I'm, I'm trying to get at now is that times have got to change. That the, 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 Whoever comes in as the new owner, if there is a new owner, and we hope that there is, um, that something, it can't, cannot happen again. No, definitely not. Like, obviously, we need, I think we need the biggest rebuild that uh, like I've probably seen in a while. Like, 
complete reset like no more relying on the academy like fair enough we've got some great players coming through but we can't rely on 17 18 year olds it's like the lower leagues is not an easy league to get out of you know like you said you see with with Portsmouth and Sunderland they've gone down and you expect them to come back up and they're still trying and they're signing they're signing experienced players at those levels and they still can't get out so uh, we need a complete revamp of everything. We need someone, we need an owner to come in with one mindset of like, right, we're going to reset. We're going to spend barely anything, but we're going to, it, it, we're going to spend like, you know, very little, but on experienced heads, you know, just, just to get the foundation in. Yes. Then we can maybe spend a little bit on a, on a nice player with some flair to come in, you know, and then we'll get like a nice midfield general to come in. Like, but at first we need, Everything back to normal, fully on on one line. No more, no more. You know, five million wingers who don't play after the season. You know, maybe not signing another Sam Baldock who spent the entire last season without a goal. You know, we need we need to think properly about what we do in this in this situation. Uh, it could get so much worse with one small mistake. Do you fear the worst? Me no. I'm very, uh, very optimistic. Like, I, I don't believe a word that comes out of Mel's mouth, but I don't think he's at that point where he would lie about there being parties interested at this stage. Like, you know, we've had, what, three or four failed takeovers now? Like, surely someone's got to come in. Now, it's maybe, it's, I say it's a little bit cheaper because Mel's not going to demand a fee, but the more we look, the higher the debt seem to appear. So it's like yeah, the clubs are free, but here's eighty million pound worth of debt plus all the administration fees you got to pay. It's just, it's, it does look bleak, but I won't. I'm not frightened of liquidation. I don't think it's happening. Well, I'll point out one example quickly: is Bolton, Bolton Championship, League One, League Two, back in League One at the moment, and they're not doing too bad in League One. They've got full capacity crowds again. They seem to be a club on the up so who knows that could be the future of Derby County but this I'll leave the final word to both of you and it's a very simple question Ryan what yeah what what's your prediction for the rest of the season for the club well I think there's you know there's pretty much I think everybody can have two predictions it's going to be a case of minus 12 minus 21 it's minus 21 we'll just have we're just gonna have a good rest of the season and see how many people we can upset along the way if it's minus 12 then I think we're going to absolutely go for it. And I think we'll scrape it with a few games left of the season. I don't think there's many teams at the bottom who are going to put up much of a fight. Like Peterborough, yes, they play well. Hull play well. Blackpool play well. But I just don't think that they're going to turn up any trees to really push themselves away from the bottom three. So I think we've got a good chance if it's minus 12. So if I have to pick a position, 21. Scott? Yeah, you'd take that all day long, wouldn't you? I mean, um, I think my prediction, really, um, looking at the wider picture as well, um, hopefully it's not just hope rather than expectation, but um, yes, we're going into administration. Um, I rather think that the club is going to get bought. Um, there's been all sorts of rumours about Americans and, and whoever else interested. And I think that they may have been waiting for the club to go into administration before they pounced. So that would stop us going into the abyss. Um, if that was the case, and we can get out of administration, not unscathed, 
but with a buyer, then it may not be as bad as what we're fearing. Um, if that's the case, we could still get relegated. Um, and my prediction, thinking on the head, is probably we still get we we will still get um, relegated because I think the EFL will give us this twenty one points. I think Mel now from what reading between the lines he's trying to wriggle out of the 21 points deduction to try and just get the 12 um but it's this stacking ability that the EFL I think are going to stack it on top of each other which will relegate us um but yes that is probably my prediction so we'll probably get relegated because of that but have new owners perhaps which could then hopefully stop us doing a Bolton and sliding all the way through and maybe given us the ammunition to come back, potentially. Well, thanks to both of you for joining me on this podcast, the All Out Football podcast. I really appreciate it to talk about it. And I'm sure you will both come back on at some point to talk about Derby and other episodes. I'm sure uh, talking about the Championship as a whole, I'm sure you'll be both up for it. So thank you for joining me. And I wish you the best of luck as Derby County fans. I obviously... Like at any football club, if this was Middlesbrough or Fulham or any football club, you'd always have sympathy for a football club that is in a really difficult situation and you don't want to fear the worst of a club going bust as well. So thank you to both of you. This is the All Out Football podcast for the website and it's a website where you can voice your opinions as football fans. So thank you to Scott. Thank you to Ryan. And I do hope Derby fans do tune in and listen, listen to the podcast as well. But for for now, thank you for joining me and Scott and Ryan and look forward to the next episode. Mm